Well, this Martha's Vineyard deal is really rankling people. Oh my goodness. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right Show. This is the spot for common sense conservatism served daily. Well, weekdays. We're here weekdays, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. So great uh, to be with you, friends. So 84%, 84% of Martha's Vineyard is a votes Democrat. That's the statistic. You know, yesterday I said it was a liberal enclave. I wanted to back it up with some data. So it's, it's a big number. And they are piping mad about this. It was a total of 50 illegal immigrants. And now they've been rounded up by the National Guard in Massachusetts, because Martha's Vineyard uh, that's in the state of Massachusetts. And they've been carted off uh, to a military base. They put them on a ferry and moved them to a military base. And the outrage, of course, being, well, I've a lot of concerns. One, I have seen now a, a, a trend of people calling for the criminal prosecution of DeSantis uh, for violating a, uh, a statute that prohibits for the interstate transport of illegal immigrants. So it, it would take, of course, a Republican senator fighting Uh, illegal immigration for the Democrats to actually enforce immigration laws in this country. Imagine that. What a nifty trick. So the, (laughs) yeah, so this, this is, this is uh, getting crazy. Now DeSantis uh, spoke about this, held a press conference. He's doing a victory lap. Uh, Wind is in his sails. People, of course, I think uh, middle of the road and, and, and on the right loving this. Uh, so here's DeSantis earlier today. It's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. Biden would fly people in the middle of the night, dump them all across this country. There was no warning on any of this. And all those people in D.C. and New York were beating their chests when Trump was president, saying they were so proud to be sanctuary jurisdictions, saying how bad it was to have a secure border. The minute even a small fraction of what those border towns deal with every day is brought to their front door, they all of a sudden go berserk. And they're so upset that this is happening. And it just shows you, you know, their virtue signaling is a fraud. It is. And he's absolutely right. Bingo. Now, to everyone saying that DeSantis ought to be prosecuted for shipping out illegals from his state is, of course, absurd, given that the Biden administration has been engaged in this conduct for months and a greater part of years now. This has been ongoing. And so I, I also would like to point out another thing that is uh, uh, interesting, that a number of state legislators in Florida who are Democrats are speaking out about this. And a couple of them have been caught actually having voted for the very budget that authorizes this exact thing. So there's a state senator down there, Annette Tadeo. Now she voted for the 22-23 Florida state budget, which included a proviso for a $12 million 
uh, dollar price tag transport illegals out of sanctuary jurisdictions. And I looked it up and went to the Freedom First budget that uh, the DeSantis administration put forward to a vote and was approved in the state legislature. And under immigration, it says, and I quote, the fiscal year 22 to 23 budget creates a $12 million program within the Florida Department of Transportation to facilitate the transport of unauthorized aliens out of Florida. It's there. And now the same people, some of the same people screaming about what DeSantis did, didn't even bother to read the budget. In fact, um, yeah, well, they, they passed it. It's fully funded. And I say 12 million, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of jet flights out of the state. Anticipate, folks, this not ending. And of course, well, how long did they last on the ground? 24 hours? 36 hours? That's how long it took for a community that is 84% Democrat voting to eject illegal immigrants from their environs. They are fine with illegal immigration. They're fine with lawlessness. They're okay with all of it as long as it's not in their backyard. And that's, in my view, the story here that needs to be told. Now, the other part of this, I have to say, curious, I, after this news broke yesterday, I was calling around and talking to some people who I know who have spent time or at one point even lived in Martha's Vineyard and wanted to get some color on this. And one of my friends had a great point about this, which is, you know, the, the, if, if you've ever been to Martha's Vineyard, it's very small. Uh, it's an island. You really can only fly in there uh, either on private flights or you, 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 there's little puddle jump or commuter uh, propeller planes that take you from, from uh, the mainland onto the island. And then there's a ferry service. So it's very difficult to get there is my point. And once you're on the island, housing is expensive. In fact, it's very expensive. So things that you wouldn't think of, for example, uh, a handyman. I mean, handy, people that fix things and live on the island are, are immensely well-paid, and they're, they're difficult to come by. And I, you know, and I, I say this because I, I'm sure that perhaps a few of them this was the point my friend was making. I'm sure more than a few of them said, well, this is kind of great. I wish we could keep some of these people here uh, to, work, to work because, you know, the labor market, of course, being what it is. But part of the problem, of course, is that, um, that uh, there's a, an enormous amount of ordinances in, in Martha's Vineyard about what you can and can't build. So building low-cost housing, building apartments and things, very difficult to get done. And so it, it becomes a problem of housing. So they've been shipped off. Uh, yet again. And of course, now that they're being moved away, uh, well, of course, right? I mean, if if they're being moved by a Democrat, it's not, you're not breaking the law. If they're being moved by a Republican, it's, of course, immediately something the DOJ should look for. And it's interesting, right, that that's the cry. See, Democrats are getting very comfortable, and it's alarming. It It ought to frighten all of us. They're getting very comfortable with calling for legal prosecution of Republicans who are making po- when when it really these are these are they ought to be looking for political solutions but it's crazy they control the presidency 
They control Congress. And the minute that a Republican starts to fight back, it's calling the cops, calling the FBI, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, get everybody on this lickety split. Friends, I want to take on that point, I want to take a moment today and check in with you on on the election, the state of the election of the midterms. There have been some fascinating uh, polls, but but also some some news, some, some focus groups as we're getting closer to the election now, 60 days away, uh, figuring out where this is going to fall. Because if you remember, if you go back to maybe January of this year, it was looking very, very bleak for the Democrats. Uh, the chances to hold the House and the Senate were nil. Uh, today, uh, it seems that based on some polling, the, the, the mood has shifted a bit. It is entirely possible. In fact, now it looks, if you believe the polls, it looks like it is probable, though not guaranteed, that the Democrats will hold the Senate. But I think, friends, and hear me out on this, I, I think that this election is, it's a strange one. Because everything that we are being told matters truly doesn't. And I'll explain what I mean when I come back, because that's, that's the catch, we are, being, we are being fed through the media a daily dose of crap that I'm convinced the average American really doesn't pay much attention to. And now there's some, there's some data, there's some, there's some facts to back up this suspicion. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a moment. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. And welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host grateful to be with you. So yes, the election, we were just talking about this before the break. I don't think that most of the country is following the Democrats' narrative on what's going on. Now, what do I mean by this? Some months ago, the January 6th committee hearings kicked off. The Inquisition, and and look, to some extent, uh, the summation of the Daily News was that Trump uh, is bad and the Republicans are still somewhat beholden to him. Uh, and that, I think, scored some political points for uh, Democrats going into the midterm, certainly. But by and large, something else, and I've spoken about this at length, something else is going on in this country that has nothing to do with any of this political theater that's been you know, foisted upon us by the media, and by the congressional uh, Democrats. And that is that the economy is rapidly deteriorating. So what's interesting is there was a, a focus group conducted by a guy named John Favreau, and he's doing, it's actually a series of focus groups, he's going around the country, talking to prospective voters about what they know about the election that's coming up. You know, we got a big midterm. And you and I, we understand how consequential this election is. We know everything that is riding on it. And at the same time, we, you know, we're you know, probably surrounded by other people who are in the know about it. And so we live, I think, to some extent in a little bubble. And outside of the bubble, uh, Favreau, who um, 
was, he was, I don't know if I mentioned this a second ago, he's a former Obama speechwriter, so he's doing these sit-down chats. It's all on film, so it's fascinating because you, you can really see and listen to people's reactions. And, and by the way, the, the group, uh, I saw the video for the group in Orange County, California. And this is a group, these are all people who voted for Biden in 2020, but now are not sure how they're going to vote in 22. That was the, that was a qualifier for being uh, admitted into this group. So these are all uh, presumably Democrats or people that, you know, that, that ended up voting for, for Joe Biden in 20 and, and now are undecided, so-called undecided voters. Now, I will tell you, uh, what I think about this this video, it, 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 first, before I share it with you, because I want you to hear it, I, I am, I'm not surprised. And I think the one thing I want, I want to say before I play, you know, what Favreau is describing here and then, then actually hear from the people uh, that were in the group, I, I have to say that Orange County, you know, where Disneyland is, you know, Anaheim, uh, Newport Beach, where I have an office uh, in California as well, uh, to the one that we have here in Vegas. I, Orange County is a is a sophisticated area. I mean, Orange County has, uh, uh, if you look at the statistics, right, income levels and and education levels. These are, you know, this is this is this is a major metropolitan area in the U.S. This is not the sticks. So it is within that context that I want to play what Favreau is saying about this, uh, describing uh, voters in this, in, in this going into this election. And this is, this is his preamble to it. You know, the 81 million people that showed up to vote against Donald Trump in 2020, a very small percentage of them, as you mentioned, actually follow the news closely. Most people who actually vote don't have a preformed political opinion. They're not super ideological. They're not super partisan. They just show up on election day and they pick between two candidates. So I wanted to talk to some of these people. That group was uh, young voters in Orange County. Uh, Katie Porter is actually their member of Congress. And they all voted for Joe Biden in 2020, but they're not sure what they're going to do in 2022. And so saying these are young people, right? They're not super ideological. I, I disagree with some of this, what he's saying, but this is the setup to it. Now, listen to this. This is him asking this group of people some questions. This is mind-blowing. How many of you plan on voting in the midterm elections this November? What is that? Who is your member of Congress, and do you think they're doing a good job? I don't know anyone in Congress. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's totally fine. Does, any, does anyone know who their member of Congress is? Scott. No. Okay. That's okay. There are 12 people around this table. They can't even name, by the way, their, their Congress person likely is Katie Porter. She, <laughs> you remember her? She's Batgirl. Remember they were doing, a, they were doing an important hearing on Trump impeachment number one, and she showed up in costume. I mean, it was Halloween, but still. Katie Porter. They have no idea. And so the, the point here, now I'll, I'll get into what Favreau thinks about this, but first I'm going to tell you what, what I think the takeaway is, that this is not going to be a, an election that is decided by 
these types of people. This is an election where the informed and the ideological are going to make or break it. So to each of you that listen to this program and have friends that are like-minded, it is extremely important that people go out and vote that know what's going on. I don't know necessarily if this and, and if this kind of engagement, he's finding this going across the country. This just happens to be one of the, one of the groups uh, that he did. But if this is consistent across the country, it tells me that there is going to be low turnout. These are all people that know that Trump is bad and then know Biden is okay. They voted for him, but they're not sure right now. They have no idea about these midterms at all. So here's Favreau giving his opinion on what he thinks. This is with MSNBC's Alex Wagner tonight uh, talking about this yesterday. And I ask all these groups, you know, what issues does the uh, media cover too much and politics and politicians talk about too much and what issues do they not talk about enough? And almost every group said January 6th, elections, politics, that all gets talked about way too much by politicians in the media. And no one's talking enough about housing, rent, food costs. Um, so it, they, they feel disconnected from politics because they don't think politicians are speaking about the issues that matter most to them. Well, yes, bingo. They are so hung up on this political show trial that's been going on and getting Trump. And no one's talking about the fact that the rent is too damn high. Now, the other pollster who does quite a bit of work, and frankly, I, as I, I mean, I, he's an odd guy, but he does, uh, he does excellent work, is Frank Luntz. And he had a, he's been doing focus groups to describe the condition America's in now, and he released uh, an interview that he did with a number of people in the room, the panel that he had, and he had about 18 or so people. And here's a clip of them being asked to describe conditions in America right now. This is fascinating. One word, I'm gonna call in each of you to describe conditions in America right now. Uh, poor. Disparity. Struggling. Let's say confusing. Uncertain. Depressing. Miserable. Divided. Shaky. Unstable. Polarized. Dire. Dismal. Division. Words like poor to describe conditions in America right now. Struggling. Depressing. Miserable. Unstable. These are not good words. And so I stick by what I've been saying all along here. This election is the Republicans to lose. In this environment where, where people feel this way, these are, to me, these are true words. You have two completely different groups done by two different pollsters, and I would say that if one group is talking about housing, rent, food costs, et cetera, and saying those are the real issues and they feel disconnected, and the other group is using words like unstable, confusing, depressing, and miserable to describe the state of America, what you have among Republicans, among independents, and among even Democrats, at least some agreement that the country is not headed in the right direction. And it is exactly here in this moment that if the Republicans in going into this midterm had had a unified message, 
based, I don't know, entirely about the economy. Making it about the economy the way Bill Clinton made his race in 92 about the economy. And the way in 94, Newt Gingrich made his contract with America and and nationalized that election. That is the way, that was the approach to all of this. And the Republicans haven't seized on this moment. But it doesn't mean that the election is lost. This could all turn out very differently because it's going to come down to just a handful of people. I have to run when I come back. There's been a development in Trevor Bauer's case. This is the MLB guy who got accused of domestic violence. Wow, you're not going to believe this. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a few minutes. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, that's me, Proud to be here, folks, and grateful for the opportunity uh, to be with you here on this program each day. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. This is the What's Right Show. And we should start a segment. Robbie, we should start a segment called Only in Nevada. (laughs) A former Nevada deputy attorney general was arrested for his role in a 1972 Hawaii homicide. That's right. Uh, A lawyer that uh, has been based up in Reno, I guess was linked to some evidence uh, to a murder that occurred, yeah, back in 72, so what's that, 50 years ago. A young lady, 19-year-old lady, was was murdered there in in Honolulu is where it happened. And apparently, I guess... For, the story is not clear of how this happened, but back in March of this year, uh, police got a DNA sample uh, from the accused, the perp son. This guy's name is Chirilla. And his son, John, lives down in Newport Beach, California. Uh, police got a sample, a DNA sample from, I don't know how that, that happened. It, it could, listen, uh, it, it could have been he could have been in some criminal trouble himself. And sometimes you can, you can plead and, and get no jail time, and, and you're, you're, but you're required to give a DNA sample. So he probably thought, well, I have nothing to hide, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play out on this. It, even for like DUI cases, now California does this very aggressively. They try to collect as much DNA data as they possibly can. So anyway, they got a DNA sample from the sun, and the sample comes back. They throw it into the system, and the, the, the folks in Hawaii, Honolulu PD, HPD has got a, 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 a profile, a DNA profile loaded up in the system from this 50-year-old unsolved homicide. And the DNA sample from the son identifies him as the biological child uh, of a sample that was found at the crime scene. So back uh, last week, Reno police, they serve a search warrant, collected a DNA sample from the father Tudor Chirilla at his Reno apartment. And two days later, uh, well, <laughs> he tried to commit suicide. If this sounds, part of this sounds a little familiar with what's been going on with the, um, the other crazy case of the other lawyer here in Las Vegas. 
Bob Tellis, yes, the county administrator who allegedly murdered RJ reporter Jeff German. It's such a, again, only in Nevada, folks, only in Nevada. Now, I want to talk about a case that has been in the back of my mind for a while. And again, I'm, you know me, I'm an attorney here in town, and I, you know, for me, one of the most important things when it comes to law is due process. It's a guarantee we have in the Constitution, and due process, folks, is the most important component of the law because it affords a framework by which your rights are protected. So due process is the formula, the steps that you take to take someone from being innocent to being found guilty. It is a step-by-step process that is over time, has over time, and continues to be evaluated and fine-tuned by the courts. But it is designed to protect the innocent and to avoid miscarriages of justice. Now, in the whole Me Too movement, this idea, this concept of due process went out the window. All right? It got thrown out because what? We were told, believe all women. Hashtag Me Too, believe all women. And what it never accounted for, <laughs> this, this absurd, by the way, it was never about believing women. It was never about women's rights. It was never about any of that. It was about political power. Right. If you have the, if you can weaponize uh, any kind of fervor and use it to destroy people, it makes you tremendously powerful, does it not? So the people that got themselves on the right side of this uh, certainly, you know, had a lot to gain. Now, this is not to say that there are a number of people that were felled by the Me Too movement that deserved everything and then some, because. Of course, there are real predators. There are real perverts. There are real rapists. And these people deserve the full punishment of the law. The only way we get there, in my view, is to follow the law and follow a process that has been set out and established for for decades and centuries in this country. So Trevor Bauer, listen, I'm not, this show is not about sports. It doesn't matter who he is. He is a, he, he was a pitcher for the Dodgers. He's 31. And he has a lady accuse him. This, this was, well, this was back in 2001. The news story comes out. It was June. So it's a little over a year ago. Comes out that there is a, a woman named Lindsay Hill filed a domestic violence restraining order against him alleging that he violently beat her. And supporting the TRO, Temporary Restraining Order, uh, is a, are photographs that I would describe as being awful. You have her, uh, the victim, putative victim, uh, exhibiting uh, huge injuries on her face, swelling, uh, cut lip, uh, bruises, and blood. It was horrifying. But almost immediately, all sorts of information began coming out that suggested that the chick was making it up and that she was exaggerating. I'll tell you some of this evidence that came out because what happened is, of course, Bauer immediately issued a strong statement saying this is 
absolutely holy and totally fabricated and untrue, and stay tuned. So we did. And we followed this case now a year and whatever it's been, a year and, year and change. And one of the things that came out is, you know, he had a lot of text messages with her because, you know, this is a modern time and most relationships have quite a lot of digital documentation. And there are texts, now I can't read all of this on air because, well, some of it's pretty graphic, but there are texts back and forth between the two of them where she's talking about how much she enjoys rough sex. And these texts go back and forth. They're extensive. And so Bauer's people publish them. They oppose the temporary restraining order because she seeks... What, what happens in a TRO? You get, you, get a, you get the temporary restraining order. That's easy to get. You really don't have to prove much to get that. But in order to turn that... Legally, the process to turn that into a permanent restraining order, now you actually have to put on a mini-trial based on evidence that you have. And there's a higher burden of uh, standard of, of proof. So to hit that higher standard of proof, of course, the, the victim came in with what she had, her photos, same thing that she had before. And Bauer comes in with these text messages, and the order gets denied. So court rules against her. But in, in, in all this going on, this is the part here, folks, that just, I don't know, this part really, really bothers me. So the, Trevor Bauer, the MLB, they suspended him for 324 games, two full seasons, for violating MLB's violence, domestic violence policy. Now, he's appealing this, and as he should. But the news today, it gets even better if you can believe this. Believe it or not. <laughs> they're, they're, so I have to back up a little bit. There's, there's, what Trevor Bauer is trying to do here is he's trying to clear his name because he's fighting this, this thing. His career has gone up in, in flames. So what he does is he files a lawsuit against this accuser for making all this stuff up. And in that lawsuit, now you have subpoena power. He goes to the police who she went to originally in Pasadena to file a police report and, and gets the evidence that they have. Because remember, the L.A. County prosecutor, he declined to prosecute this case, saying there wasn't enough evidence. Well, guess what the police had? They had video that she filmed on the morning of the alleged attack showing her happy, uninjured, smiling, giggling in bed with him. It is a disaster. So I, you know, the, the, the lesson, of course, yeah, the lesson is you, you can't believe all women. There's due process. And there has to be, there have to be uh, in, an enforcement of existing criminal penalties for people who bring these types of false allegations. Uh, because it is an enormous harm that is done to every legitimate victim by each person that goes through and does this type of thing and makes stuff up, drags people's name through the mud, all for, all for not. Yeah, I mean, by the way, there were texts going between her. I, yeah, between her and her sponsor. She's, uh, yeah, she's an AA. That's another part of this. So she's an AA. She's got tech. I've got this here. Hold on. This is amazing. She's talking about the payday. 
Following the temporary restraining order that she got in 21, this lady texts her AA sponsor, Lisa Decker, talking about a 50 million payday and just slap my, and she mentions a body part. And her friend responds, hey, pretty soon you're going to be rich. And talking about securing a bag. It was all about money. It was all about 10 seconds of fame. Absolutely devastating. And the MLB, the media, and everybody ate it up. When we hear these stories initially, what we have to do is say, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's wait to see how this goes. Let's wait for the evidence. Let's wait for the process. It's very important. All right, friends. I'll be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Can you believe it's Friday? I mean, we are almost there, friends. We're getting close to the weekend. And for me, personally, I cannot wait. Uh, Great to be with you. Uh, Really enjoy our time that we get to spend together Monday through Friday, 2 to 3, right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Merjofsky here, your host. I have to tell you, yesterday I mentioned in and out that I like it. Today, I have to say, uh, I am a huge fan of Chick-fil-A. Now, why the sudden change? No, 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 I like, I've always liked Chick-fil-A. Just like in and out a little bit more. But there's a great story out of Florida, Fort Walton Beach. Yeah, there's a woman outside the Chick-fil-A She's a mom. She's got a tiny little baby in the car. When a guy comes up and tries to carjack her, pulls out some kind of a stick, uh, starts to, uh, he assaults her, pulls her keys from her. The woman, of course, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine, is screaming. Not necessarily concerned for the car, but her kid's in, in, in the vehicle in, in, a, in a seat. A horrifying situation. So what happens? Well, it's right in front of a Chick-fil-A. And a, and a Chick-fil-A employee runs out this guy comes out he's i think what he's doing because he's wearing a like visibility jacket so i think he's working in the in the uh in the line in the in the uh uh, uh, takeout line so he's there and he's he comes running out and he just tackles this carjacker and takes him to the ground he's getting a big thank you from the sheriff's department out there so it's, it's a heartwarming story and I thought I would share that with you. Good job for this guy. And by the way, I, I'm not reading anywhere in the story that Chick-fil-A got mad at him. I hate when companies do this. When they get mad and write, you know, our employee, we're, we're, we're sending our employee to, uh, uh, you know, HR because this is not in our company policy. Sometimes companies will fire employees for uh, doing the right thing. But I think Chick-fil-A is the company that, uh, that does not do that. Uh, by the way, the National Review wrote a great Uh, line here at the end of their article about this when they said, quote, when it's a battle between Florida men, the one on the side of the Lord's chicken has a distinct advantage. I think I will leave that there. Now, another heartwarming story and kind of a, I mean, it's not, it's funny. It's, it's interesting. David Beckham, you know him, the football player, British football player, decided he wanted to, just like everyone Uh, paying their respects to the queen, go and stand in the 12-hour line to go see her. Now, what he was hoping was that the line would move faster in the middle of the night. So he shows up at 2 a.m. 
to get in line to wait to see the queen's coffin and pay his respects. And he's hoping he's going to go in unnoticed. Well, he's dressed to the nines. He's got a dapper hat. He's wearing a suit and a coat. He looks great. Typical David Beckham. He's a a well-dressed hombre. But he gets in line, and next thing you know, of course, everybody recognizes him because, listen, in Great Britain, he is, I think, got to be one of the top 20 most famous people. So he... Uh, gets gets mobbed uh, by people and they're taking photos and, and but it's all very uh, I, very cordial as I understand it. Lots of people got their photo taken with him. Where uh, he shared some food that he had uh, in line with people and and waited uh, apparently just over twelve hours to go inside uh, Westminster Hall uh, and walk past the Queen's coffin. He was seen to be emotional leaving uh, that hall that chamber said, we all want to be here together and experience and celebrate the amazing life of our queen. I think that something like this today here together is meant to be shared. And I tell you, I, I'm convinced that a guy like David Beckham could have arranged to have slid in through a side door somewhere and not wait in this line. But there is something... Uh, I don't know. There's something profoundly solid about this, uh, folks, that he didn't do that. And that he just sat it out just like any regular Joe, like the rest of us, uh, waiting. And and people, by the way, have been spending 14 hours standing in line uh, to pay their respects to Queen Elizabeth. This uh, is, is absolutely, absolutely a great story. And, and I like, listen, I... I, I, it's been, and I haven't talked as much about it as I, as I probably uh, should have, but, you know, these, these reactions that are in, in, with all these positive stories, the reactions of some of these leftists here in the U.S. Are continuing to spew vitriol about Queen Elizabeth, uh, nothing short of disgusting. And, and by the way, it brings up an important point, and it kind of ties together this week, in my view, that we were promised, you know, when Biden, I, rem, I let's go back, let's time travel to the 2020 election. And what did Biden promise us he would be? Do you remember this? He was going to be the unifier, right? That was the, that was the shtick. Trump was the divider. Okay, fine. But Biden was supposed to be this unifying leader that was going to glue us, this broken country, this hostile country, glue us all back together. But Biden, all these other elected Democrats and, and, and liberals in the, in the media and, and, and higher education, they spew so much hate day in and day out that is divisive. I mean, I hate using that word because it's their word that they like to throw about, but it's so divisive. They can't even, in a moment where a, a leader of one of our oldest allies passes away, they manage to find controversy in it. And so it's no wonder that even <laughs> if that's how they feel about Queen Elizabeth. I mean, how do they feel about rank-and-file Trump voters? Well, we know. We're the enemy. And it's them creating this conflict. So we just want a prosperous country. We want a safe country. We want a country of law and order. We want our kids 
to have more opportunities than we did, not less. We want to be able to feed our families. We want to be able to send our kids to school. We want to be able to achieve the American dream. We want legal immigration. We want the power to improve our lives. And so I, you know, I think, again, it's important for us Republicans, conservatives, to be positive, to speak in positive ways, to try to persuade, not harangue, not beat down, not tease. Well, maybe tease. I like teasing, but you know what I mean. We have to be the, we have to be the positive force because this, this negativity that is coming out and all these speeches, every time Joe Biden stands up there, it, it's so dark and it's so glum. And remember what those people, if you didn't, you missed it earlier in the program, talking about all those reactions that prospective voters are having, you know, terrible words, dark words that are, you know, that are their feelings about the state of this country. And we can do better than that. And I think we shall. So let's go into the weekend and, and you know, and, and hug a liberal, you know, be, be nice, be kind and try to persuade because that's the higher ground that we need to take. So if you've missed any portion of this program, please hit up the podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, What's Right Show. That's where you find us. I'll be back here on Monday. Look forward to seeing you then. Have a wonderful weekend, friends. Sam Rajofsky, What's Right, here on News Talk 840 KXNT.